Part of me wants to quote Andy Dufresne when he talked about the storm that came into his life in the midst of the, his discussion in the, the story, the Shawshank Redemption. He said, I just didn't know it would last so long. It seems that way sometimes, doesn't it? Just didn't know it would last quite so long. I'm glad you're here today. See, you left your friends behind today, Dwayne. Oh, that was their friends, his friends? Okay, you left his friends behind today. Huh? But uh, glad that you're here. Glad that folks that are, are watching are watching and sharing with us in that way. Appreciate you being here. Jerry, I appreciate your prayer this morning. Very thoughtful. I appreciate that very much. And uh, we don't always know what to say, do we? We don't have the right words to say. I appreciate that very much. Joe, I appreciate you leading our singing. As you're well aware, we've kind of curtailed some of the involvement in our worship on Sunday mornings for a lot of reasons, but, uh, uh, and all in our, our observance of the Lord's Supper is a little bit different than it traditionally is and so forth, but uh, I hope and pray it's always as meaningful to you in that regard. I want to think about something this morning, and I'm really dwelling on something that I want to think about next week and try to get it right, but uh, we're going to deal with this this morning. I call the lesson, What Prophet? And in the scripture that's before us, that's basically what Jesus said, for what profit? What does it profit a man? He gains the whole world and loses his own soul. We're going to be looking at that passage in Matthew 16, just following what I referenced a little bit ago before the Lord's Supper in regard to... Simon Peter and his interchange with Jesus and the other disciples, Jesus responds to the whole business in this regard and makes a a driving point which comes home to us and something we really need to think about within this and the idea of what profit is there in this and what I'm doing. Listen to the words, Matthew 16, verse 24 through 27 should be on the screen. It says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit? For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. What profit? What profit? I think sometimes we look at what we're, or we need to look at what we're doing and say, what is going to come out of this? What's the good within this? Is it worth what I'm doing in this regard? I was thinking about this week, and I was trying to think of a good illustration, and there were plenty, of course. But what came to my mind, and you, you know where my mind quite often goes, there was an episode of the old television show, Happy Days, in which Howard Cunningham, Mr. Cunningham, Decided he was going to build a bomb shelter in the backyard. You know, the height, the Cold War and all of that. And bomb shelters were being built all over the country. And he wanted to build a bomb shelter in their backyard. But it was going to be limited as to the number of people who could be in the bomb shelter, of course. And, and when the, the children and others wanted to invite their friends and found out that they would not be in the shelter with them. And they couldn't invite all their friends. Their friends couldn't be there. So even if they were saved through the atomic blast then, uh, or a nuclear blast, then, then uh, what good would it be because none of their 
friends and others would be around with them. And so they just opted out and said, I won't do it. Finally, Howard Cunningham was left standing alone where he was going to build his bomb shelter. Well, I know it's just a silly television show. But the values come to mind and come to recognition. Is this really worth what I'm putting into it? Is it really worth it? And I think we look at that, and it is a valid and a good question. And I think perhaps one of the greatest challenges we face in our lives in this regard, one of the greatest challenges we face in our life is being able to release one side in order to gain the other. You think about that. Are we willing to let go of some things in order to gain something else? I think I told you sometime I was listening to a, an interview with some, some of the very rich, and what's the difference between the guys that are so successful and done so well? And one man said, I believe it's that we are willing to lose it all in order to gain something. And a lot of times, many of us, we're not willing to go that far, not willing to put that much at risk. There's an old story that used to circulate, and you probably heard it. If you haven't, then it's a new story. How about that? Well, it's a new, there's a new story out there. It's about a guy who went for a hike in the hills one day. And while he was on his hike, he got a little clo too close to the edge of a cliff. He slipped. He fell over the edge of the cliff. But as he fell, he managed to grab hold of a root or a branch or something that was sticking out. He was able to grab hold, and there he was hanging. He couldn't climb back up. He didn't have any way to climb back up, and he couldn't drop down far too far to the ground below him. And there he was, hanging, unable to get to the top, and, and couldn't let go. After hanging for a moment or two and kind of talking out loud and hoping somebody would hear him, he thought, there's nobody there to hear me, and so he began to pray. Don't take this too literally, too seriously, Okay. He began to pray and think, oh, my life is just about over, but please, would someone come and save me? And at about that time, he heard a voice from above. Again, don't take it too seriously. He heard a voice from above that says, let go with your left hand. He hung there for a second, and he thought, I guess it's worth a try. He let go with his left hand and he reached as far as he could with his left hand. He hung there a few more seconds and nothing happened. So he called and he prayed again. And a second time the voice sounded from above. And this time the voice said, let go with the other hand. He hesitated, but then he said, what did you say? The voice said, let go with the other hand. He contemplated the situation for a moment, and finally he said, is there someone else up there? <laughs> but, okay, but isn't, okay, but isn't that just about the way we are? Really? You think about it. Yeah, I'll let go with one hand as long as I'm secure with the other. We don't really want to let go with both and get out there. Think about what Jesus is telling Peter and the others on this occasion. We want to say, well, is there a different way? Is there some other way? Is there somebody else up there? I think within us there is, for the most part, a common sense. 
that is there. We don't always use it. We don't always put it in practice. We may ignore it from time to time, but for the most part, we want to see the value in what what we invest ourselves. If we're going to invest ourselves in something, we want to make sure it has value. We're going to put it here. We're going to make sure we get it back here. We want to feel that we have accomplished something that we can appreciate, and thus we can value in our lives. Even then, I think, even when we think there's going to be a real return, a real value in what we've done, We still have a hard time making a full commitment. I think that's why the words of Jesus are so challenging to us. If any would come after me, let him deny himself, take up the cross and follow me. Those are challenging words. If you want to just save your life, you're going to end up losing it. But if you're willing to lose your life for my sake, you're going to find it. So I want you to think about this. What is Jesus calling us to do? Well, my apologies to Buzz Lightyear and the Eagles, but he's calling us to take it to the limit and beyond. Take it to the limit and beyond. This is more than your your traditional give and take that we think about. This is more than, I'll put in this much if I think I'm going to get this much back. Because our common question is, if I do this for you, what am I going to get in return? It's a natural question. It's not a bad question. But Jesus is calling us to an unmeasured commitment. It's not about how much we're going to get out of this. It's about following him. If you would follow me, deny yourself, take up the cross. If you would be my disciple. Isn't that it? I was thinking about a friend several years ago who commented to me that he had been working at, at an hourly wage job for some time and the company had said, we're going to take you off for the hourly wage and put you on a salary. And he was so excited about it. A couple of weeks later, a couple of weeks later, he didn't seem so excited about it. He said, you know what I found out? That when you commit to this and you're just on the salary, you no longer get overtime. You no longer get to quit at the traditional hours. And when they call you in, you just got to go and work. It comes with risks, doesn't it? Jesus knew that. And that's what he was calling us to. The writer of the book of Hebrews challenges us in a similar regard as Jesus when he says, you know, seeing all, we've got all these faithful. Now you, you lay aside anything in your life. Lay aside the weights and the sin that that are going to hold you back. And run, run, and run with perseverance. Give it all you've got. That's what he was trying to challenge us. So when we take it to the limit, when you take it to the limit, when we, we draw upon this, when we draw upon what Jesus is challenging us to think and to do, there is no escape plan. There's no backing out. Remember what he told those, I sometimes call them would-be disciples? You don't put your hand to the plow and look back. There is no escape plan in this. You don't, you don't go into this and say, well, I'm going to do this, and then maybe I can get out somewhere down there. I'll try it for a while. I'll wade into the water. This is diving into the deep water and just getting in and saying, I'm going to sink or I'm going to swim. That's exactly what's going to happen here. That's what he's saying. This is not, there's no escape plan. This is standing before the preacher and saying, until death do us part. And that doesn't mean you get to shoot your mate. Too many say the words but never really mean it. No escape plan, friends. That's what Jesus is calling us to. Deny self, take up the cross, and follow me. In 1519, here it is, 1519, you may know this story. 
Captain Hernan Cortez, you've heard of Cortez, he landed in Veracruz there on the Mexico coast to begin his great conquest. Upon arriving, it is reported, legendary, that he gave the order to his men to burn the boats that had brought them to that shore. Burn the boats. What it was was a message to them that said there's no going backward. We are going forward to victory. Take it to the limit and beyond. Think about it, friends. What has following the Lord cost you? I know Peter says to Jesus in Matthew 19, Lord, we've left all and followed you. And I stop and say, wait a minute, have you really? Have you really left all and followed him? Have you really? Sometimes we think about, oh, I'm giving up so much for the Lord. It's kind of like one of the songs we sing. What is it that we've given up for the Lord? A little bit of time on a, on a Sunday, is that what we've given up for the Lord? A little less getting into trouble along the way, is that what we've given up for the Lord? Had they really given up much? Make a list. Make a list, if you will. Make a list of what the Lord has cost you. I guarantee you it's going to be a pretty short list. What has the Lord cost you? Beyond submission of will, what have you lost? In fact, Jesus says, Matthew 5, verse 5, what did he say? Blessed are the meek, the submissive, the humble, for they shall do what? You know the rest of that verse, don't you? If you don't look it up, oh, I'll tell you, they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The submissive, the humble. You see what I mean? Beyond submission of will, what do we lose in following the Lord? You know, friends, this is not jumping from a plane without a parachute. That's not what we're talking about. This is not diving off a cliff and not knowing how deep the water is exactly. This is more like a child leaping from a piece of furniture into the arms of a parent, knowing that parent will catch him. Take it to the limit and beyond. And if we're going to do that, if we're going to take it to the limit and beyond, we need to be able to identify our desires, our wants, what it is that we're searching for in the Lord. Why in the world are we following the Lord? Everyone wants something from the Lord. You think about the people who came to Jesus that we read about in the scriptures. We read about a leper in Matthew chapter 8. That's not an Acts, that's in Matthew chapter 8, whatever that book is, beginning of the New Testament. Matthew chapter 8, we've got this leper that comes to him. Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. What does he want? He said, Lord, I want to be your disciple. I want to be devoted. I want to go to heaven. No, he says, Lord, I want to be clean. He wants something from Jesus. He wants his leprosy healed. That's exactly what he wants. He wants something in his life that is bothering him changed. People come to Jesus because they want answers. They believe Jesus had knowledge and that he could share it with them. What's the greatest commandment? Something they had debated up and down and in and out. And they come to Jesus with the question, what's the greatest commandment? Is it to honor your parents? Is it to, to not bow down to idols? Is it to keep the Sabbath day. Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love God. Love God with all your heart, soul, your mind, your strength, and your neighbor as yourself is the second commandment. And even when they hear the answer to the question, they come back with even more questions. One says, well, wait a minute. Who then, who is my neighbor? And gives Jesus the opportunity to teach one of the great stories of the New Testament that we often call the Good Samaritan in Luke 10. And who is that man's neighbor? They come wanting answers. 
Sometimes they just didn't like the answers they found, but isn't that true? People come wanting something changed, corrected in their lives. People want answers, and I believe people want hope. I think we all want hope, don't we? We come to Jesus with a desire for hope. The young man, Matthew 19, the young man came to Jesus and said, Lord, what good thing might I do? He, had, he wanted to, an assurance. He wanted to have that absolute hope. What good thing might I do to inherit eternal life? How can I ensure my eternal life? You think about that. But friend, what do you What do you hope to find in Jesus? What is it that you're looking to find in Jesus? I think we need to look within ourselves very clearly and seek our motivation. Something brought us to the Lord. Maybe we were brought by family. Maybe we were brought by friends. Maybe something else. Something brought you to seek the Lord. Something brought you to want to be right here today and now. Something made you want to keep on seeking the Lord in your life. Seeking the Lord. Something brought you to seek the Lord I think about that young man that came to Jesus and he said, hey, Lord, Luke 12, tell my brother to divide the inheritance. He had something he wanted. Jesus said, that's not why I came. I'm not here to be the arbitrator of your your estate. I think even today, some are simply attracted to who and what Jesus was, his his clarity, his personality, his his comforting ways, his his instruction, his, his philosophies, his approach to life. I think people come seeking what Jesus was, trying to find in him something that, that they can invest themselves in a way. I think some come, like us, come looking to find their lives, to find meaning in living our lives. We want to find some meaning, some value in each day, and we want to look to Jesus, help me to find that. And I think some of us are are hoping to gain some sort of value, some sort of profit, some sort of power, prestige, or, or some sort of control of things in life. I think there are many reasons why we come, and I think we need to look inside ourselves and ask, why is it that I'm drawn to Jesus? Why is it that I am here? What brought me to this point? What brought me to make the decisions I've made in my life? Sometimes it's not the best of things. Several years ago, quite a number of years ago, a friend and a deacon and I were sitting talking together because their marriage was beginning to fall apart. And he told me very plainly, he says, you know, when my wife and I, I married, I don't think we really married for love. It was just attraction, just lust for one another. And he said, and that faded. Now, friends, I want you to understand, and I want us to be very clear with ourselves. There's nothing wrong with having desires. There's nothing wrong with having desires in our lives. There's nothing wrong with seeking to fulfill those desires. We just need to know them and be honest about those desires in our lives and what they are. Paul said very clearly in 1 Corinthians 12, he said, he said, pursue, desire, desire spiritual gifts. Now, he was talking specifically in that case. But desire the things that you can find and that you can have in Christ. Desire those things. And he said, and I'll show you, let me show you an even more excellent way. And he launches into that great passage about love. Understand your desire and be honest about your desire. Keep it in play and keep it understood. 
And so as we take it to the limit and, and wherever that is and beyond, and we never know where our limit is until we passed it by, and then we say, well, that really wasn't the limit, was it? And within it, identify the desires that we have to accomplish and what we are striving to have in our lives. And then look very carefully. As Jesus gives us here in this passage, look very carefully at the end game. Know your end game. Not just the moment. Not just the thing that's in your head for the moment. Not just the thing that draws you right now. Not just the desire of the moment. It's not just the moment that must be considered, but what will be the result of what we are doing? Where in the world is this going? As Peter said to Jesus there in Matthew 19, Lord, we've left all and followed you. What then shall we have? Follow Jesus' statements that are there in, the parallel, there in Matthew 19 and in the parallel accounts. When he says, you haven't left anything. But what you'll be rewarded many times over, people, places, things, understand. Jesus said, look to the end game in that regard. So where is this all going? Where is this all going? What I'm doing and what I'm choosing, where do I want to go? And where is it going as I make my choices? The addict, the drug addict, looks to the drug for the limited relief or the escape for the moment, but doesn't generally look down the road and where it's going to be taking the addict as, as he goes. And yes, sometimes we're put in positions that we don't necessarily think about. it. You think about children, and we put them into education. We put them before the books. We, we train them. We teach them. We lead them in ways. And they don't necessarily like it because they don't, they don't know the end game. They don't know where it's going somewhere down the road and we understand as we we put them in that position I think I'm still a child sometimes that way but we we put them in that position so that we can see those building blocks come into place in their life that they can use because the end game the result is going to be the benefit that comes into their lives in that regard so Jesus in this idea of know your end game points us to two very divergent directions and he points to the choices that lead to each one. Matthew 7, 13 and 14. And he points to the end result. He said there is that broad way, that wide gate. And many are just going to go that way, he said. Where does it go? It leads you right to destruction. He said, but there is a confined way, a narrow gate. And not everybody's going to seek that. In fact, not many. And that leads to life. It's about choices that you're making because you know the end game. Where is it that you're trying to go? What is it you're trying to achieve? Each of us is going to make our, our own choices as, as the great statement of Joshua is there. That's the one we remember about Joshua. The great statement, choose this day whom you will serve. You make your choices. Joshua 24, 15. You make your choice of which direction you're going to go. And then when you know what your end game really is, when you know what your end game really is, your choices and why you make them becomes much clearer. Jesus said, if any would come after me, let him deny himself, take up the cross and follow me. You want to gain your life and you just want to hold on to it, you're going to lose it. But if you're willing to lose your life, set it aside for my sake, you'll gain it. And great rewards from God. When you know what your end game really is, your choices and why you make them become so much clearer. 
Because that's where I began. What profit? Because it's about value. It's about value. It's about the investment of ourselves. It's about the value. Christ invested for us. He invested because he saw value in us. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, the writer of Hebrews reminds us. He was willing to do this for our sake. The choices that you make show the values you have. The risks that you're willing to take and the sacrifices we make show the greatest values of our life. What are you willing to risk? So now, I leave you with a question. What about your desire? What about your desire to be with the Lord? If any would come after me, well, we've read it enough, quoted it enough, to lose your life for his sake, to gain it. This morning we'll sing a song of encouragement. Perhaps there's someone who needs to respond. If you do, let us assist you here. If you have other needs, we're glad at any time, at any place to, to be able to help you with them. But perhaps there's someone even here this morning that needs to respond. We gladly pray with you, help you, whatever your need might be this morning. If you never put the Savior on a baptism, we provide that opportunity. We want you to do that. Get your life right with God. We want salvation to be in your life as well. If someone needs to come this morning, let this invitation be to you. And if you need to, come while we sing the song together.